Thank you, Becca. I love it when the kids, like, they give me, like, a thumbs up when it's my turn. They're like, I'm like, cool. I love that. I like thumbs up. Um, so we have just come off of uh, a very strange celebration, if you will, uh, and I'm not talking about rabbits that lay eggs, which is super weird when you think about it. Um, we just celebrated the resurrection of Christ. Like, all that we believe hinges on the resurrection of a man who claimed to be God. Everything we think, we talk about, we celebrate hinges on whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. Like we just celebrated a man rising from the dead, a tomb being empty. Everything we believe and think comes busting out of a grave. That is strange. It's not normal. It's not um, easy to swallow. It's not easy to chew on. It's a very difficult thing, very strange thing, but yet it's why we're here. Like without the resurrection, there is no reason for us to be here. Have you ever thought about that? Like how would your life be different if two hours on a Sunday church didn't meet, right? Like we just celebrated Jesus raising from the dead, not being in a tomb, and it affects every area of our life. But what about after the resurrection? What about after Jesus rose from the dead, hung out with some people, appeared to a bunch of people, and these disciples, if you look through the book of Acts, begin to live life differently than the way they used to live. There was no going back to normal. There was a very different way of living because Jesus isn't dead. Like if you, have you thought, what would life be like after seeing Jesus, like raised from the dead? Where he should have been, he was not. Like sometimes I think that question alone can stir transformation. That if Jesus is not dead, then everything changes. As we spend time considering this series in, in bold, we're going to be looking at, um, for the next four weeks, the power, uh, obviously the Holy Spirit coming, and we'll talk about that in just a minute and what that looks like. Next week, we'll be talking about the new life that is a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling in his people. Also, you see a new conflict arise in the book of Acts but you see a new resolve. Something that the disciples would lay their lives down for. And the Holy Spirit fuels that resolve. It's not about us pulling up our boots, straps, and tying them up ourselves and working really hard or, or thinking that we're going to do more and more and more. And It's actually the Holy Spirit who allows us to walk with the same resolve that we saw the disciples go to their graves with because they knew Jesus was alive. Um, but here's a question that I think you have to be able to answer uh, and to consider because I think it will change how you respond to the end of things, this resolve. And the question is, do you know more about Jesus, more so than actually knowing Jesus? Do you have information about God or do you know God? 
Two different questions. One seems normal, one seems super weird. When you think about it, when you think about the uniqueness of a Christ follower being able to say the words, I know him. Who? Jesus. Really? I mean, I think what we've tried to do in society is we've tried to normalize walking with Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit walking in us. We like to say things very creative, like I know a lot of creative types. God just helps me see sunsets so much fuller. I get that. But to stand next to an artist and go, he lives in me. Excuse me? God just allows me to experience the flavors of life much better. No, he lives in me. Like, he has taken up residency, dwelling in this cave of a chest in my heart. The the creator of all the universe, the creator of the sunsets, doesn't just help me see the fuller picture of a sunset. He lives in me. All right, now you sound really strange. I love the Holy Spirit very simply because he will not let us normalize Christianity. I love the Holy Spirit dwelling in his people because he won't let us sound normal. Because normal is not just seeing a sunset fuller. Bob Ross can help you do that. The Holy Spirit takes up space in your life, invades, and actually, if the scriptures are true, brings you to life. People don't need to see a sunset more clearly. They need to know the power of the living God dwelling in them. Fully alive if the scripture is true. That's what people long for. Sure, sunset's great, but man, knowing the creator of the sunset is so much better. This is the beautiful invitation that we will see the disciples get to live this way in relationship with the living God. Now, I ask you that question because you and I, we can know a lot about Jesus. I can know what high school Jesus went to. I can know what, uh, what college he went to. I can know, you know how many points did Jesus average on his basketball team. I can know what, what draft order Jesus got picked by the NBA or whatever. But the truth is, if I go stand outside the hotel trying to see Jesus and get Jesus' autograph, I don't know Jesus. Neither does he know me, Right? The question of the hour is, do you know him? It's much stranger than do you know about him. It's much more powerful than do you know things about Jesus? Do you know facts about him? Do you know information about him? Do you know what he said or did? Those are all great things, but do you know him? Do you know about him? Normal. Do you know him? Super strange. That's because God never intended us to live normally. Normal is relationship with him. And that is strange to the offerings of this world. Christianity does not firstly boast a new set of rules to live by or a lifestyle to conform to. Christianity boasts that I now, because of Christ's finished work on the cross, his life, death, and resurrection has invited me into relationship with the living God that is fueled by the Holy Spirit. It is 
fueled. It is a relationship that I walk with. And I know, and I know that we don't know what relationships look like in today's society. So many broken relationships, so many mistrusting relationships, so many relationships that are abusive and, 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 and turning and, and hard and difficult, and you're afraid that someone's going to walk away. But the truth is, if the scripture is correct, it is not only God's intention that we know about him, it's his intention that we know him. Like the scriptures reveal this God to us, this God who said, I'm not going to leave you to guess who I am. I'm going to tell you who I am. So there's this knowledge about him. But even crazier than that, his invitation is for us to know him. Knowing about is one thing. Experiencing and knowing him is a whole nother ballgame. In the garden, hope you can see that in the garden, yes, God creates us, so he knows about us, okay? Let's just get that out there. He knows everything about us. How? Because he made us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our fallings, our failings, our struggles, our hurts, our pains, the things we're bad at, the things we continue to run to. He knows everything about us. So yes, he knows about us. Us, But we see another characteristic of God in the garden is that he walks with Adam and Eve. And when he shows up and he walks with them, there's relationship. There's this back and forth. There's this, I want to know you, not just about you. And for Adam and Eve, it's like, this dude, he's the first person we saw when we, woke, when we opened our eyes. Like, we got to get to know this guy. There was relationship present in the garden, and we see God's intentions from the very get-go. But then we know man's heart, don't we? Man decides, I would rather know other things, God. I'd rather know lesser things. I'd rather know the things that this world has to offer. And you know what? I can do that without you. And sin shows up. Men make decisions, women make decisions that would say, I would rather know other things, God. I would rather know those things better than you, and I don't need you. So sin shows up, and instead of God going, relationship over, he does send them out of the garden. And because sin is present and there is not any evil or darkness in the Lord, he cannot be around it. So he, instead of squashing them, he sends them out. And we see this journey through the first part of the Old Testament that the people have to go on that is different. And it's difficult. And, but God did not say, I'm done with you. He said, I'm going to live in a box just to be near you. It's going to be different. It's not going to be the same kind of relationship, but relationship's still the same. And as you read through the Old Testament, you see some very specific requests that God makes of his people. You have to come to me this way. You cannot come to me another way. You cannot just walk on up in there and be like, hey, who loves, who loves God? This dude. No, you can't just walk in this way. There's some, there's some holiness to this side of things. And this God is other. And because we are not like him, we can't just walk up into God's space there's very real obeying commands. There's sacrifice. And for those people who wanted to walk in relationship with this God who dwelled in a box, who wanted his presence to be near his people, he's like, I'm not leaving you. I'm not out. I want to be with you, but it's going to have to be different, and it's going to have to be under my terms. And at a distance, God is able to continue relationship with people. But how long 
would they have to do it this way? A long time. But then Jesus shows up. And Jesus changes the game because Jesus is not announced as someone who is coming in God's place as a person to just say, hey, God, uh, hey, guys, we should all look at God. I need to be with you and I'm going to be this person. No, it's actually God showing up, putting on flesh, walking among his people. Now, the book of uh, the, the gospel of John is fantastic. The first 20 verses are like this epic description of Jesus. Like he does not give us the freedom to say, oh, Jesus is just a good teacher. No, the way John describes Jesus shuts the door on Jesus just fitting in with all the world's communicators. And I love that because he won't let Jesus fit into our safe box. The power of this announcement is found in John chapter 1, starting in verse 10. He came into the very world he created. You got to stop right there. (laughs) This is no description of a guy who just walks around and teaches people good things. John is saying Jesus created the world. Like If my science teacher, my history teacher, my philosophy teacher ever came in and said, hey, guys, I created this ball we're living on that's spinning. They'd be done, right? To put Jesus in the line of good teachers and good communicators, we are not given that choice in Scripture. Now, safety will want us to do that. Oh, I don't want to sound like a crazy person, so I'll just say that Jesus is a good teacher or is a good philosopher, but man, the one who created the world, I don't know if I can say that out loud. Well, the Gospels make that declaration. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Again, strange invitation offered by a man who made very strange declarations that if believed and accepted, if I accept Jesus, I become a child of God? What does that mean if I don't? You see, a very popular belief in today's world is that we are all God's children. And I want you to know the Bible does not teach that. Do you know what the Bible does teach? We are all his creation. Unique, wonderfully designed, beautifully made, intimately known. But the Bible teaches that you go from creation to child through faith, through belief that Jesus is the one who would live a perfect life, die a sinner's death, and as we celebrated last week, bust out of a tomb to announce all that he says and does is true. And then equipping the people of God to do the work that he created us for. John continues in verse 14, So the word became human and made his home among us. 
He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Unfailing love and faithfulness is displayed in relationship, correct? You can talk about it, but like most people, we don't like it when someone just talks. We like to see and experience those things, and that happens in relationship. Jesus had come close and could touch his people. Like, I do wonder about those times when God's presence dwelled in the box, like when a child would come with his family. Was there ever a time when God was like, I just want to touch my kids? Like, I just, I just want to, but I know I can't right now, and I want to. Like, I just want to see, I want to put my arms around these people, this widow who's coming and making this offering, who's bringing these grains and these, this wine and these, these offerings to say she celebrates me. I just want her to know that I celebrate her. I just want to put my arms around her. I can't do it. But now, Jesus can. Jesus can. He can hold the, hold the kids, hold the children, touch the people who are sick, who have not been able to be touched He can do it and make them well. In relationship, Jesus walks with his people, not at a distance, but among the people. And in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Jesus coming not as a man, not as an individual who represented God, but very God, a very God. 100% man, 100% God, which is baffling when you consider those things. He's not 50-50, which is what we can figure out. I get that, but 100% and 100%, how does that work? Because that's 200%. You see, the... The way of God, the way of the Christ follower cannot be normalized. It's so other. And it's by faith that we get to experience this wonderful strangeness. In John 14, as Jesus is talking with the disciples, and this is his time with them, and he's kind of getting ready to leave, he says these things. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. Okay, get ready to have your minds blown right now. Okay, he lives with you now, but later will be in You, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, at this point, this is where the disciples are probably like, and Jesus was like, hold all the questions till the end. We're going somewhere. Let me do this. This is the mystery of the Christ follower's way of living. It is the triune God, one God, three persons. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God experienced in three persons. And if your, if your brain is going, that doesn't work, give me a second. All right? Here's, here's what happens. Jesus saying, he's with you now, 
Later, he will be in you. So somehow, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, same God, God the Father, Jesus was able to make these bold statements like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's strange. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, all he's going to do is tell you what I've said, and he's going to be in you. So there's this, what in the world is happening? And yes, it is mind-boggling. It is one of the reasons many people refuse to believe the Christian message, the gospel. But it is how we do it. It's how we live. And the beauty of this is, if you've experienced one of these persons, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, who are all unique, one God, you've experienced them all. That's so crazy. Yes. Yes. It is. But the power of those statements that Jesus was able to say, if you hear from the Holy Spirit, you hear from me. If you've seen the Father, you've, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All because we understand there is one God expressed and experienced three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as we see in Scripture, introduces people to the fact that they don't believe and he points them to Jesus. Jesus introduces people to the Father. So now, because of Jesus, we have this relationship with the Father and it's this beautiful working together. It's this perfect relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that somehow has been opened to us in relationship. And the power of knowing that their perfect relationship They invited us into super strange, baffling, but the power is that they they didn't stay away. They didn't stay over here. They didn't walk away. They came closer and closer and closer. And as the Holy Spirit dwells in his people, you can't get much closer than in. You can't. And it is a picture of God's plan to know his people And it's all made available by faith in the work of what Christ has done. Directly after this moment with his disciples, Jesus lets the disciples know that you are going to need this advocate. You are going to need the Holy Spirit because there are going to be times when you want to abandon your faith. There are going to be times when it is so difficult because the world is going to hate you. The world is going to toss you out of the synagogues. The world is going to toss you out into the streets. The world is going to kill you. And they're actually going to think that they're doing a good thing. But the truth is they don't know me. And Jesus even says that they don't know God. He says, you're going to need this helper that is coming. In verse 26 of chapter 15, he says it this way. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. You must also testify me about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. So Jesus gives clarity to what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And I love it for the disciples because the disciples had actually walked with Jesus. So they're like, oh, we can get with Jesus. We know Jesus. We've walked with him. We helped with him. We did everything. We chased him around. We followed him. Man, we need that reminder. The Holy Spirit, what does he do? He speaks about Jesus. He reminds the people about what Jesus has done. Unbelief is present. What happens when we recognize unbelief? We turn, we look at the cross, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Relationship entered into. The Holy Spirit speaks Jesus' heart and words to his people. Jesus then tells the disciples that I'm sending you a helper so that you will not abandon your faith. Again, 
See, the disciples get real sad, and I love how Jesus is like, you guys are all sad because you've heard you're going to suffer. You're not even sad that I'm leaving. That's what's, ha- that's what's happening. I love the way Jesus works with these guys. You're sad because you're going to get beaten and hurt. You're not even sad that I'm leaving, but here's how it's going to go down. John 16, 7, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Here we have a crisis of faith. Here we have a crisis of faith because the disciples would have to wrestle with, is it truly better that Jesus go away so that the helper can come? I think we say the same things today. I think that we would go, you know what, if Jesus would just show up and do stuff and walk around and people could see that happen, it would make everything better. But you and I both know we're here for the show. It doesn't necessarily mean people will believe that Jesus is who he says he is because they see somebody walking around. I can see the disciples sitting back at the campfire going, man, I just wish Jesus was with us hanging out, doing stuff again. I love the way he, he taught. I love the way he did miracles. I love the way he did things. Oh, man, I long for those days when Jesus was around. It's a crisis of faith. Is it truly better, as Jesus said, for him to go away so that the helper could come? Is it better? That's part of this road of faith is to believe that, yes, it is better because, Jesus, you said it was. Some days, only thing you have is to trust the word spoken. Only thing you have is that Jesus said, it's better that I'm not here because the helper will come and he will dwell in you. See, this is very different for us because what the the disciples knew was Jesus would tell us to do something, we would go and do it, and we would come back to Jesus and be like, oh, man, Jesus, this was our experience. This was crazy. It was like, I don't know, man. I didn't know how to handle that. That was crazy. And then you send them out again, and they go away, and they come back. And that was the process they knew. They could unpack with Jesus after they did their thing, and they would come back. But the truth is it's not like that now. Because Jesus said it's better that he go away. See, it's not Jesus has stepped out of the classroom for a minute either. Like, we think that. We think that. I mean, that's where the whole joke of the Jesus is coming, look busy bumper stickers come from, right? Like, the teacher stepped out of the classroom for a minute, and so we're left to go, I don't know, I just don't want to get my name on the chalkboard, so I'm going to sit here and, and behave while he's gone, and when the teacher comes back, uh, I won't, uh, my name won't have any check marks next to it because I didn't get my name on the board. I did everything I was supposed to. That's, see, this is how we live. And, and living like this is not living. To know that he wants to go with us is a game changer. I don't go somewhere and then come back. But if the scripture is true, he goes with us in the midst of all of those things. There are several secondary issues that Christ followers love to get into arguments about when it comes to the role of the Holy Spirit. I do not intend to fuel any of those this morning. I want to come around one overarching grand theme of Scripture, and that is that God clearly desires to be with His people as He works through His people. This is how Jesus can say, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. 
there's a difference between knowing he goes with and walking and then coming back and then walking and then coming back. But to know that he goes with is a game changer. And in Acts chapter 2, this is the picture we see. 50 days after the Passover, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages? You can go on and you can see all the languages and the people groups that were represented in the scriptures. And then in verse 11, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. The Holy Spirit equipping the church to tell the message that Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is evidence that God is not satisfied with his people simply visiting him. The Holy Spirit is evidence that God is not satisfied with the people just checking in with him every once in a while. The Holy Spirit is evidence that God is not sending us to accomplish a checklist without him. The beautiful truth that you and I must wrestle with, is it Jesus, is it truly better that the Holy Spirit dwell in us than Jesus walk beside us? Is it truly better? I think we like this image of, I'm hand in hand with Jesus, I'm skipping through Asheville. We love that, right? Jesus, oh, there was that one time, Jesus, you picked me up and carried me in the sand that time. Remember, I was, I was walking on the beach of all places to be walking because my life was so bad. I was on vacation on the beach, and I look back, and there's only one set of tracks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure you might have that on your wall. I apologize. It's the flesh still alive. Sarcasm. But J.D. Greer says it this way. Acts is the story of the disciples following that spirit, being filled by that spirit, trying to keep up, but feeling like a kite in a hurricane. (laughs) I don't know if I've read a better description of what it is like to walk by faith than a kite in a hurricane. This is the power of God taking up space in his creation, you and I, and as his church, fueled by that. As the band comes and we close this morning, the Holy Spirit is God's way of saying to his people, there is no way you're going to be able to normalize the walk of the Christ follower. The Holy Spirit is God's reminder that Christianity is other because you cannot normalize the explanation of God's 
presence dwelling in his creation. That he would take up residency inside those he longs to be near. But I still think he makes the sunsets look cooler. I get it. But the power of the Christ follower's journey is that he takes up space in us. The Holy Spirit living in us doesn't just take up space without purpose. He will not fuel our selfishness. He will not give me power to build my castle. The Holy Spirit fuels us laying our lives down. You want to know how to love hard people? The Holy Spirit knows how to do that. You ask him. You want to know how to walk with people that might laugh at you or hate you or persecute you? The Holy Spirit knows how to do that. You might want to ask him. You want to know how not to abandon your faith in a day and an age that says you're foolish, you should abandon your faith? You might want to ask the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, so you won't abandon your faith. I'm sending the helper. This is the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in his people. And it's better than walking side by side with Jesus because Jesus said it would be. The understanding of daily interaction with God is very different than just a simple knowledge about God. And I want you to know that the mission that God has equipped the church to carry out will not be accomplished with knowledge about him but people who know him. See, in ministry, it can be very easy to fall into the trap of knowing lots about God, lots about Jesus. But there have been those days when I have seen how many stinking needs there are, and I'm like, oh, great, I have to meet them. And there comes times when you just go, you know what? It's too big. Can't do it. Knowledge about God will not fuel meeting the needs, but knowing him will. The other temptation is when all you've got is either lifestyle or rules or list checks, that, checklists that you keep up with, there comes a point when you get bored of just being known as the good guy or the good girl. And the temptations of the flesh just start showing up you know how many times I've heard people say, I just got tired of being the good guy. There's a very real danger in operating in just with knowledge about God. But to know him, to interact with him, to walk with him, to know that he goes with you, not when you just, you say your devotional time and Lord, thanks for everything, and then you go to school and then you do your thing at school and then you come home and you're like, oh, Jesus, I totally, I didn't even, I, you know, I did everything wrong I possibly, you know, I'm with you, right? Oh, right, that's right. He dwells within. The Holy Spirit not only fuels our desire to avoid the hard things, the sinful things, the lustful things, because he will give you new desires. But he also propels us into the pathway of people who need bold love. He is the one who propels us into the world, encountering difficult people who need to be loved boldly. There's a difference between knowing about him 
and knowing him. And so as we close today with communion, around the room there will be some folks holding a plate of bread and a cup of juice. And as we take this bread, as we take this juice, as we take this meal together, what we're declaring is, A, that Jesus has died in my place. But the, but the scriptures say we actually take this meal declaring that until he returns. So by default, it's also celebrating that he's not there. <laughs> by default, it's, him, it's us saying, man, thank you for not being dead and thank you for the new life that you were raised to that I also will get to experience as well. And it's not just about experiencing new life in heaven or in eternity. It's about experiencing that right now. Thank you for dwelling in me. We get to say that. And for some of you, I don't know if you can say that. For some of you, maybe all you've had is a working knowledge about God. Yes, you probably did the religious school thing. You went to Christian school. You went to Catholic school. You got the church traditions. You've got all of those rich things that God did not waste on you. There were reasons for those encounters. All so that he might work to bring you to cry out to him. How do you know? How do you walk with this relationship? The Bible says it's by faith. It's to say, you know what? I have been trying to live under my own power. Jesus, I need your power. I need you to dwell in me if the scripture is true. Live in me, take up residence in me, take up space in me, push the stuff out that I'm holding on to, replace them with your desires, get rid of the desires I know that I have that are reckless and that they kill me, push them out. Jesus, by faith, I take hold of all that. Because to carry out with the resolve that the New Testament church had, we cannot function as people who just know about him. We function as a people who know him. Father, I just ask that as we wrestle with the difference between knowing about you and knowing you, would you stir us to not be settled until it's resolved? Until we can rejoice over knowing that you want to know us and you have invited us to know you and that it's through Christ that that happens. And if we've been playing the church game, if we've been playing the, I need a new set of rules to walk by because I just got to have rules and, and something. And Lord, push it all to the side so that we could see Jesus clearly. Holy Spirit, convict us of our unbelief. Introduce us to Jesus. Jesus, show us the Father. And may we live as people indwelled by God. It's in your name we pray.